Bibles with me to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, it was really funny when, uh, when Pastor preached this morning. Uh, a lot of things he said are exactly what I'm going to say tonight. So uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess you all need exactly what he said this morning. Because uh, uh, a lot of it I'm going to be preaching again tonight. Uh, there will be some differences, uh, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was really funny. I was just looking at it. I was like, wow, this is exactly what I'm going to preach. So, uh, so it's just a sign that this is just something that the Lord wants us to learn. And I just uh, encourage you to listen and, uh, and let the Lord speak to your heart. And it might just be one word I say that the Holy Spirit uses to, uh, to, to, to change you into his image. And I just encourage you to listen and, uh, and to apply this to your life. And uh, I know it'll, it'll, it'll change us all if we just capture this truth and, and let it to change our life. And uh, we'll start here in First Thessalonians, but we'll get to our text in just a little bit. We'll kind of use this as a springboard to get started in First Thessalonians. And as you find that, if you could all stand with me uh, for the reading of God's Word. And First Thessalonians, we'll, uh, chapter 5, we'll read verses 12 and 13. First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. And the Word of God reads, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you for tonight. I just do thank you again, Lord, for your goodness to me, for allowing me to be born in a place like this, and to be raised and to grow up in a place like this, Lord. I, I just uh, would like to thank you for that, and, and I, I pray that you'd fill me now with your spirit as as I preach your word, I pray that, Lord, you'd help me to say exactly what you want me to say. I pray that, Lord, you'd help each and every one of us to be filled with your spirit, to listen intently, to learn and to apply these truths to our lives. And we'll thank you so much for it. And I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. One of the greatest privileges that we have as Christians is to serve the Lord through the local church. As in this passage, it talks about those that serve the Lord in the church, and we should recognize those and admonish those and, and, and to strive to be one of those ourselves. And it's one of the greatest privileges that we have to serve God through the local church because God gives us the opportunity to work with Him. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, For we are laborers together, with God. And God gives us the opportunity to work with Him to do His will here on earth. And we have the opportunity to serve with God through His church. As God, He instituted, He created three institutions. And that third institution was the church. And He instituted, He said, For thou art Peter, but upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And God, he has chosen to work through his church to do his will. As we have an opportunity to serve God through the church and to work with God through the church, he has chosen to use his church as the instrument to reach this world for Christ. Not only to reach out to others, but God uses this church as the pillar and ground of truth, as it says in 1 Timothy 3.15. 
And it's also a place to edify one another. And we are to do all of this. We are to reach out to others. We are to be founded on the truth and to edify one another all for God's glory, all for God's honor here in this place. Like I said in 1 Timothy 3.15, it says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And we're to reach out to others as we all know the different passages where it says, in, in, like in Mark, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's the command God has given us to do through the local church. And also in Ephesians 4.12, and we'll get more into this in a, in a moment, but it says, for the perfecting of the saints, talking about the church, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the church, we are to edify and encourage and lift up one another through the church. And these are some of the basic principles and purposes of the church. And how are we, are to, and how are we are to serve God through the local church. We've seen that the local church is how we can serve with God. But can I ask you, how is your service in the local church? How how are you serving with God through this body of believers? How are you working to accomplish these basic tasks, these basic principles of the church, to reach out to the world? How are you serving in that area? Or how about how are you edifying one another in this local church? Or how are you building yourself upon the truth as the church is to be used for? Does your service match up to these basic principles of the church? Or is your service some extra thing? Some side ministry that, sure, it was helpful, but are you serving at least in one of these areas? And if you're not actively serving in these areas, I encourage you to, to get active. To, to, to strive to serve the Lord through the local church and reaching out to others and building one another up and building yourself upon the truth. And the church, it's, it's like a body and it needs every part. And if you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to walk through this this still isn't the text, don't worry. When we get to the text, we'll be close to done. So, <laughs> so don't worry. We'll get there in a minute. But, um, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, we'll, we'll start in verse 14. And the church is compared to a body. As a body, we need every part of our body to function at 100%. And the church is the same way. We need everyone working together for the same purpose, to be effective, to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. And we'll start in verse 14. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot say, shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were in hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. 
And we'll stop right here for a second. Now, if everyone in the church was an I, then how could we, how could we hear or how could we smell? If everyone in the church was a song leader, that would kind of get a little confusing. I know Mr. Moline would probably like it a little bit, but if everyone in the church was a song leader, it would get, honestly, it would get very confusing, very frustrating. What if everyone in the church preached and everyone in the church tried to preach every Sunday? It would get really hard, really, really difficult, and <laughs> we'd have 20, 30, 40, 50 people trying to speak at the same time. And the body doesn't work that way. Just if we had a bunch of eyes, it wouldn't work that way. So picking up, uh, I believe we stopped at verse 18. It says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And we'll stop right here. The reason we have different body parts like hands and eyes and nose and mouth is to function properly. And that's why a church has many members to function properly, to, do, to be more effective as a whole. And then in verse 21, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these be bestowed more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. And we'll stop here. We'll, we'll go to the last part in a second. But it, it says here that some of our parts are more feeble than others. And some are, are less honorable than others. Now think with me. Don't say anything out loud. Think with me about your hands. Everybody, hold your hands up. Think about what you with your hands. Okay. You can put them down. <laughs> Now, think with me about your hands. Don't say it out loud, but think, of, think with me. What, where have your hands been? Not necessarily today, but maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago. What have you touched with your hands? I know, I think of, I haven't necessarily touched all the nicest things in the world. Some things have not really been clean or, 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 or nice. But you know what? I, these hands are some of the most important things on my body. I couldn't write, I, I couldn't pick things up, I couldn't do things and be active if I didn't have hands. Yet, I guess you could consider them one of the less honorable body parts. And the same is true in the church. Sometimes there's dirty jobs. Sometimes there's, there's positions that aren't always the nicest or the cleanest or the most noticed, but they're some of the most necessary jobs. Just like our hands, they're such a necessary part of how we live our life. Yet they're not always the most honorable parts we have. Now think with me about your hair, or the lack thereof. <laughs> how, how useful really is our hair? Sure, it keeps us from getting sunburnt on our head, I guess. But think, I mean, really... Is our hair really that useful? I mean, if we were all to just go and shave our head, we could get along quite well in our life. I mean, sure, people would stare at us, think we're a cult or something, but we could live our life pretty normal. It's not a, a necessary part. 
And there are some jobs in the church where they're useful. I mean, hair can be a good thing. But it's, it's one of those things, oh man, I see that. When, when you see somebody, one of the first things you see is their hair. Or the lack thereof. And it's, it's one of those obvious parts of service in the church as well. Where it's one of those jobs that everybody sees, oh man, so and so's doing that in the church. Or so and so's doing that. But it's not necessarily a dishonorable job, but it's not necessarily one of the most necessary jobs in the church as well. And there's a balance there where we need the hair, and it's good to have the hair, but we also need the hands. And it's a necessary part of the church to have the hands, to have the feet, to have the tongue and the eyes and the ears. And we're to work together to serve the Lord through the church so that we can reach out to the world, so that we can build ourselves up in the truth, so that we can edify one another, all for God's honor and glory. And we need every part working together in the church to do the Lord's work. But we see this, that there's the church, and we need to serve the Lord through the church, and there's many different jobs in the church. But how can we effectively serve in the church? How can we get plugged into one of these areas? How can we t- figure out what I need to do in the church? How can we effectively serve as an individual in this greater body of believers? And tonight I'd like to answer that question. And, and finally we're going to get to the text. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Philemon, Philemon chapter 1, because there's only one chapter. Philemon chapter 1. And we'll get started and seeing how we can effectively serve the Lord through the local church. As God has called us to serve, to to do his will through this body. But how can we effectively serve him through this body? And we'll look at this man Philemon and how that Paul wrote about his service. And how that his service was, was something we should model our own service after. And tonight we'll look at the service of a slave owner. As is kind of an oxymoron. But it's the truth that we can all learn. And let's learn from this service of Philemon. In, verse chapter, uh, in uh, Philemon, uh, in verse number 4, it says, I thank my God, making mention of these always in my prayers. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. And we'll stop there. And we'll look at three Lessons of service and how we can learn these lessons and apply these lessons so that we can effectively serve the Lord in the local church. So that first lesson I see is in in verse uh, 6. And it says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. We'll see the communication of his faith. And this word communication, before we have to figure out what this word 
means, as it's more than just speaking to one another. As if I was to sit down with Joseph, per se, and, and we'd be talking and, and talking about different things. This communication of his faith is more than just sitting down and talking. But it comes from the same word that we get the word fellowship. As if you, like pastors, been preaching from First John, if you're to look how we have fellowship with God, it's the same word. How it's more than just talking with one another. But it's, it's truly living in. It, like if we were to have a fellowship, let's say we, uh, like we have the Mellow and, Melon and Sandwich Fellowship coming up in a few weeks. How that, when we go to that fellowship, we're going to be do more, doing a lot more than just talking. We're going to be eating. We're going to be walking around, getting active, getting, get, getting in with one another, and really fellowshipping with one another. As fellowship is so much more than just conversation. But it's really living and sharing yourself with others. And that's what this word is truly trying to get across. It's the communication of his faith was he was living and sharing that faith with others. But how can we effectively communicate our faith? And I believe Paul answers that question. He says, The communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And to, to make our faith, to, to make the communication of our faith effectual, we must acknowledge every good thing is from the Lord. As I know many of us have heard the verse, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And God says every good gift is from him. Everything that you own is God's. I know it might have your name on it. I know you might have the keys to it. I know you, you might have bought it with your own money. But can I tell you, everything is from God. As God said it, he said every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It doesn't come from the guy down the street, as you might buy it from the guy down the street, but it comes from God. And we must acknowledge every good thing is from the Lord. But not only that, we must realize that everything is from God and to be used for God. As in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And God has commanded us to be stewards of what he has given us. We are to be good stewards and servants and use the things he's given us for him. And I think many times we miss that point. We see, hey, I, I get this stuff. I, man, God's blessed me and given me all this stuff. And we just keep it in a selfish way. When God has commanded us to be stewards of it and to use it for his honor and glory. And one of the biggest areas that we have that God has given us to steward is money. I know it's one of those things we all love to talk about. Money, money, money. And how we, none of us have any of it. <laughs> and, uh, but God has commanded us to be good stewards of our money. How that 
we have to realize, first and foremost, it's not mine. I know it might be in my bank account. I know I might, I might have worked for it. I might have earned it. But it's God's. And we have to get that principle. If we, we miss that, then our whole view of everything that we have is, is off. We have to realize it is from God. And it's his. He's given it to us to use for him. It's not ours. It's his that he's allowing us to use. Now, I know I'm young, and I know I've only been out of the house for a few years now. But, and I don't say any of this for my own glory or at all, but the Lord has helped me to just, to give sometimes. As I look at just being in college, I've got the school bill, and then I've got my paycheck from in and out. And I look, I look before the school, school year even starts. Okay, this is my school bill. This is how much I should hopefully make working. And I see the school bill, and I see how much I'm going to make. And this is a whole lot bigger than this one. <laughs> I'm just, okay, this, this doesn't work out. And I think, well, hey, you know what? Maybe if, maybe, here, let, let me, and I'll, I'll, I'll take this, the, the bill, the, the money that I'm going to earn. And I think, okay, maybe if I put the tithe back. And maybe if I put all the giving back. I put everything back. I just take exactly what I'm going to make. And, hey, it's, it's a lot closer, but, hey, I might be able to make it. But sometimes the Lord just puts in my mind, why don't you just miss it by a long shot and see what I can do? As, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to make it anyway. So why don't I just totally just give tons to God and see what, see what God can do to pay the school bill off. I know it might seem kind of, I don't know, juvenile or whatever you want to call it. But hey, why don't I just miss it by a long shot? As we, we try and we get so close to, oh man, this, the bill is just right here. And maybe if I just skim a little bit on the tithe or just a little bit on the offering, then hey, I can make the bill well, why don't you just miss it all together and let God provide for you? As, remember, everything is God's. Including your bill. Including your debt. Including whatever it is that you have. Is a, if it's a bill that you have, it's God's. And it's his to pay. <laughs> and he'll pay it. Because you're his child. And I just have seen how that, you know what, I missed it by a long shot. How that, hey, the money I got was nowhere near the money that I needed for the school bill. But what do you know? The school bill's paid, and I don't owe anymore. (laughs) And praise the Lord, I I was able to pay it on time every time. I don't really know how all the time. But the Lord provided. Because I just, the Lord just gave me the faith to decide I just need to give. That's That's all there is to it. And it can get so complicated, and, we, and it just comes down to the basic thing of faith. And if you turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I really want you to see this verse, and really to think about it with me, as it's so, it, it's so real to, to us and to this concept, to this principle from God's Word. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. Now we'll read the first half and we'll stop. So don't look ahead, but stop halfway through. We'll read uh, Romans eight thirty-two. 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now stop. Now how many of you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Raise your hand. Okay. So this verse is speaking to you. He spared not his own son, Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. God gave his son to die for you, to forgive you of your sins. You've put your faith and trust in him, in him alone to save you. But let's look at the second half of the verse. It says, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, we have faith to believe God will save us, but we don't have faith to see that God will provide for us. As it, God forgiving me of all my sin, of saving me, of taking me to home, home to heaven someday. I have faith for that. But faith to give the tithe or to give an offering above that, there's no way I could do that. Because, I mean, I won't have enough money. Yet, we had faith that God would save us which is so, so much greater than giving us a couple hundred bucks. As just any, any person down the street could walk up and give you a hundred bucks. But who could go down the street, walk up, and save your soul? As only God could. And we see that we have faith for God to save us, but we don't have faith to see that God provide for us. And it all comes down to faith. Do you really believe that if you gave to God, he would provide? As sometimes I missed it by a long shot. There was no way I was making anywhere near what I needed. But God still provided in the end. And he'll do so much more for you if you just just grab that concept that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And I have no idea who gives, who doesn't in here. For all I know, everyone gives the tithe and gives offerings above and beyond their tithe. And praise the Lord if you all do. And I pray you all do. Because you'll see great blessings in your life. As you quit worrying about the next paycheck, you quit worrying about the next bill, and you realize, hey, it's in God's hands. All I need to do is just use it for Him. And the communication of our faith will become effectual as we just learn that everything we have is God's and live that concept in our lives. Live that principle that, hey, the time I have, the energy I have, the body, the health I have, the family I have, the, the possessions I have, everything I have is God's. And as we live that principle, we will be an effective communicator of our faith. But not only that, we see the communication of his faith, but in verse 7, it says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So first we saw the communication of his faith. But secondly, let's look at the consolation of his love. The consolation of his love. Now, consolation is not necessarily a word we use a whole lot. Uh, I know I don't go walk around talking with my friends and use the word consolation. 
Um, I text it all the time, though. But uh, other than that, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> consolation. It's not one of those words we see a whole lot. So consolation, it's just a basic definition, is, is comfort. Especially in a time of trial or a time of distress. But it's interesting. Consolation comes from the same root word that we get the name for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. The one that comes alongside and helps us. And this word consolation leads us to comfort, to come alongside and help one another in times of distress. To to come alongside and to help one another and to show our love to one another. But to really understand how we're to comfort one another, how we're to, to come alongside and help one another, we really just need to look at, a, at what love really is. Because we, you can't love someone and comfort someone if you don't understand that kind of love that we need to have, that, that God has so graciously shown to us. So if you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4, we'll read several verses. 1 John chapter 4. And we'll start in verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God. So God's love was, was shown, and it was put in a physical form to us. So in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only son, his only begotten son, into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. As God, he loved us before we loved him. He loved us far beyond anything we could imagine, before we ever loved him. We hated, we despised God. And God said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. As we're to love others, not because they love us. We're to love others not because we have some benefit, some, something to earn from it. But we're to love others because God has commanded us to. Not because we're going to receive anything from it. Not because we're going to get something from it. Not because they love us first. But we're to love them because God loved us. And if we don't have love, if we don't have this love in our service, if we don't love God and love others like God wants us to, we could have the tongue of men and of angels. But if we don't have charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecies and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, 
and I have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. As if we try and serve in the church, if we try and serve the Lord without this love, it's worthless. It's empty. It's just a show. There's no fruit. There's no real need for it at all. It's if we don't get this love, if we don't come alongside and comfort and love one another, not because they love us, but because God loved us and he commanded us to love them. As we get this kind of a love in our life, then we can truly serve God and love others as we should. And God, he also wants us to not only love one another in the church, as that sometimes can be, well, sometimes it can be a little difficult, but sometimes it's, it's really easy. But some of the hardest people to love are those people that aren't in the church. Those people that, maybe the coworker that drives you nuts, or maybe the person down the street that blares her music, or maybe it might be your crazy relative that just gets you mad every time you talk to him. Whoever it is, God says, love them because I first loved you. God wants us to love the lost. God wants us to love those that have never heard, that have heard and rejected Christ. God wants us to still share the gospel with them. Not because they love us. Not because, hey, they're... uh, (laughs) They're great people that just give us tons of stuff, but because God loved us and God died on the cross to forgive them their sins. And we must love not only those here in this place, but those outside those doors as we should share with them that same good news, that same gospel that we received ourselves. And we must Love one another because God first loved us. So we see the communication of his faith. How that he understood everything he had was God's. We see the consolation of his love. How that he was to love others because God first loved him. And then finally we see the confidence of his obedience. If you look in Philemon Verse 21, I'll read it. It says, Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. And this confidence we are to to build among one another. How it says, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt do more than I say. As people had confidence in his obedience, confidence in his service, confidence in what he was doing, because he did more than he was asked. He he did more than was expected of him. And we can build confidence among ourselves, among this body of believers, if we do above and beyond what we're asked. As Jesus commanded it, he said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. As someone might ask, Hey, can you help out in my class this week? in my Sunday school class or in in vacation Bible school, say, hey, you know what? I'll help out two days. Go the extra mile. Or who knows? It might be, hey, uh, man, we need somebody to help do the yard work. Or we need somebody to help clean the church. We need someone to help, you name it. You guys know more stuff that needs to be done around here than me. You name it. 
What is it that needs to be done? Say, hey, I'll step up. I'll do it. No one even asked me. I'll do it anyway. Because I'm going to go the extra mile. And build confidence in one another. Because you can't do nearly as much. If I didn't have confidence that my left hand could carry my Bible, then I'd have my right hand holding it the whole time, and I would have no confidence in it. And we must have confidence in one another to do the Lord's work. And we must be willing to go above and beyond what people expect and ask of us. But we should not do it for recognition. We should not do it for men's applause, to to be seen of men. As it says in Matthew 23, 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. As if we try and lift ourselves up and try and serve the Lord in, in this church and try, man, I want to do it because, man, I want people to see me. I want, I want to be the hair in the church. Yeah, I want, to, I, want to be, I want to be what everybody sees. Then they're going to be abased. And the church is going to go through... Uh, male pattern baldness and lose it all. And uh, you'll be uh, abased. But if we, we try and seek position and we try and seek fame and, and people to see us, then that's when we'll be abased. We're to, uh, we're to serve. Find, find the, the, the dirtiest job you can. Find the lowest position you can. Say, hey, no one else is willing to do this job. I might as well do it. And God will lift you up. God will give you great opportunities to serve him in ways you'd never, you'd never understand if you just are willing to take the, the little job. Do the jobs the hand does instead of the jobs the hair does. <laughs> and we must be willing to abase ourselves, to do the jobs that we think we're too high for. And we must do them all for God's glory, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do to all, to the glory of God. As that's, that's the whole purpose of the church, really, is to glorify God. The whole purpose of our service is to glorify God. And can I tell you, if you do your service for your honor and glory, you're stealing God's glory. In Isaiah, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. As it's God's glory, it's God did it, as we saw earlier, it's all God's. And if you take glory, you take credit for that, you're stealing God's glory. Because it's he who did it in the first place. And it's not us, but it's God. So we see that serving the Lord through the church, it is a privilege, a great privilege that we have, but... Sadly, many people pass it up. They pass that opportunity. They say, I I don't want to do it. I don't want to serve in the church. I I don't want to help out. And it's not always easy to serve the Lord in the church. It's not always easy, just be quite honest with you. It's not. And we might not even always see results. But we know our work is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. We might not always see the results here on earth. We might have taught in a Sunday school class for 50 years. Or we might have helped do something in the church for, for the whole time we've ever been here. And we might have seen nothing happen. 
and think, what in the world? I've been trying to serve the Lord all these years and nothing happened. But can I tell you, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And we know our labor is not in vain in the Lord. There will be things that we won't understand, we'll never see here on earth what happened. But when we get to heaven, it'll all be clear to us what God did. And just to see the great things that God has done as we just stay faithful, as we stay steadfast, as we stay unmovable, as we continue to abound in the work of the Lord, we'll see that the labor was not in vain. So let's learn to just to communicate our faith by living it ourselves. By, by living it and understanding everything we have is God's. Let's learn to, to comfort and to love one another. Not because they loved us, but because God loves us and has commanded us to love them. And let's learn to build confidence within ourselves that we obey as we should, as we serve as we should. And let's learn to serve the Lord in the church as he's, as he's commanded us to, to bring honor and glory to his name. And let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity again to preach your word. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would help each and every one of us to grasp these concepts, Lord, these truths, these principles from your word. How that, Lord, you've given us the great opportunity to serve with you in the church. And Lord, you've given us all that we could ever need. You've loved us more than we could ever understand. All you've asked us to do is to serve you in this place for the few years we have here on earth. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply this to our lives. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.